Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins later. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, really excited for Game 7. I mean, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but, you know, how could any sports fan not get excited about a Game 7 in a World Series, especially between two teams that have gone so long since winning a championship, right? Oh, I Yeah, and I think that might be the first time ever that you've uh... – Brought up baseball before I did, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a fantasy football show, mostly dynasty. So uh, we we thank you all for joining us. Um, hopefully, if you're joining us, that means you read uh, Dynasty Football Warehouse for for the articles that we pump out every day. Brian Hawks dropped a, an awesome stock report this morning as he kind of gave us an update on the Sammy Watkins situation and uh, and some other players in there. So if you didn't check that out this morning, I. I certainly guarantee you go back and do that. Um, every time I read Brian's stuff, I'm just like, man, this guy just, he just has such a great angle on stuff. He comes at it from, from a completely different angle sometimes. And I just totally appreciate that. He's, he's, he's not, uh, he's not black and white. He's going to, he's going to dig a little deeper for you. So make sure you check that out. Really, really like Brian's stuff. Uh, obviously we have a uh, great other great articles too with waiver IDP and, and the regular waivers that came out on Tuesday with by uh, Joseph and uh, Bruce as well. So make sure you check that out as the stuff that we pump out every week here. So uh, we have a great show for you today, as always. Um, a little early today. Uh, apparently once a year, Nick gets on um, November 2nd, gets exploding diarrhea at nine o'clock in the morning. So he's got to be done, right? Is that, was, was that what's going on, Nick? <laughs> yeah. Stupid condo maintenance. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Nick living the condo life in Hawaii, so we thought we'd get him up in, even earlier. And sorry, I couldn't uh, switch to a different day, Nick. But uh, you're awake, so uh, pour on. Pour yeah, no, cup of coffee. no worries. <laughs> no worries. I appreciate. I appreciate you being uh, able to to switch it a little bit, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what uh, what stood out from you for uh, week eight, Nick? Well, it was a, kind of a strange week. We'll start on Monday night when, of course, Jay Cutler was the emotional spark that Chicago needed to get the big upset win over Minnesota. But Jordan Howard, of course, was the real hero in that game. He looked great. Uh, the Browns almost won their first game but couldn't hold off Jets and Fitzmagic. Do people still call it that? Uh, anyway, Detroit continues to be hot and cold, uh, falling to the Texans. And they're, uh, according to the Texans GM, their fifth-year rookie quarterback, uh, the biggest news from a fantasy perspective, though, had to be the Derek Carr's 500-yard passing day to lead the Raiders to an overtime win over Buffalo, right? Uh, I yeah, probably. But uh, and that's great for fantasy owners. But uh, uh, 23 penalties later, we he did not need to 
throw for that many yards. You own him. I actually don't own him, but if you own him, you you're not gonna not gonna complain. But uh, we there was almost another tie that day too because that was we won that one under two minutes there. So that was not a not a good situation there. So but uh, yeah, obviously if you have Carr, you've got to be pretty happy about that. Did you have some more notes there, Nick? Um, no, that was all I had. Of course, we had the the tie, like you mentioned, uh, in London. So that was really fun out here, having to stay up till seven thirty in the morning and watch nobody win. Yay! <laughs> um, so what I can recollect too from the Cleveland game is where uh, when their fans post put up the three banners to spell "Go Dog Pound" <laughs> and it was they were in the wrong order. I think that happened at halftime, and then uh, we know what happened. <laughs> after that, if you haven't seen that photo, I'm going to add that to the bottom of this uh, podcast right up today. So make sure you check that out. Um, it just unfortunately kind of says it all, but uh, yeah. So uh, uh, other, other thoughts, so many missed kicks, you know, I think me and Nick were probably, I don't want to speak for you, Nick, but I think we were both pretty skeptical that it wasn't going to really that big, Big a big difference when they changed the extra point rules back, uh, but it has made a huge difference. He's like, you know, our ATS guy Chuck said a few weeks ago, it's it's making what was a three point game is turning them in either two or five point games, and uh, just so many missed kicks. Of course, Janikowski missed two fifty yards field goals that would have won. There's just so much, so much stuff that was so many missed kicks. I just I couldn't believe every time I was ch- I was working, so I didn't get to watch. A lot of NFL action, but every time I would check into a game, somebody else is missing a kick, you know, missing an extra point. It's just terrible. Yes, Derek Carr. Um, I don't, I don't really have an explanation for this headline here, but Derek Carr, 513 reasons you shouldn't throw, shouldn't have to throw 59 times in a game. Um, obviously, there's or Oakland's running game isn't where it is. But it is a little bit deceptive with them using all three of those guys. It's not good for fantasy owners, but it's helped them out and helped defense kind of stay on their heels a little bit. But uh, you never want your quarterback to drop back 59 times in one game. So, or actually, yeah, yeah, there was probably more dropbacks than that. But he threw 59 times in one game. Um, I don't, a couple questions for you, Nick. I, um. I'll get to those here. I'll say the ones here first. Obviously, a big thank you to Andre Johnson. If you if you really look at the stats and consider some of the big injuries he had throughout his career, I think the guy's a Hall of Famer. He did officially retire this week, in case you hadn't heard. Uh, just just a phenomenal player. And when he was on, he was one of the best players in this league. So uh, it's 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 kind of sad to see him wither away the last couple of years. But uh, I just want to say. Um, Darren Sproles. How about Darren Sproles being the lead back on Sunday night and did quite well. I, I, you don't know how long the guy could hold up like that, but I was really impressed. And it was somewhat soft Dallas defense, but uh, he he did some good things. What do you think about? Um, I'm sorry. One more thing. I wanted to give props to since I gave props to my boy Marquette King last week. Uh, Chris Jones, the Bears punter, did his best Marquette King impression with a 30-yard conversion on a fake punt. So I want to give credit where credit's due. If I'm going to give credit to one punter. I know Chris Jones isn't the best punter in the league, but I just want to give him credit. Um, love those punters. I love Marquette, I should say. What do you think about the Packers, Nick? Obviously, they lost last week. They won the week before. Can they sustain this dink and duck bull crap? I mean, what what, what is that about? And I mean, something's got to give, right? They just can't keep doing this five-yard slant, five-yard slant, don't you think? 
Yeah, but, I mean, we've been saying this since week one, that the offense just doesn't look the same in Green Bay as it has in years past. So, you know, until we see a consistent, you know, week in and week out change, I know they've had, you know, little outbursts here and there, but they can't seem to string, you know, positive games together, like you said. So, yeah, it's it's definitely not the Packers team that we're used to, and I don't really see them being a playoff team this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, and they've had a lot of injuries, but you almost wonder if there's something wrong with Rodgers that they're not taking these deep shots. Obviously, last week they didn't have Cobb. Ty Montgomery was a late scratch. Um, they're not running the ball at all, besides Rodgers getting 60, 60 yards. And where I get that's awesome as a fantasy order to get an extra five or six yards out of a position. But if Aaron Rodgers is my number one quarterback, I, I, I don't want him running the ball that much. I'll take this. I'll take the six points this week if it's gonna if it's gonna give me a win. But I, I don't want I don't want to depend on that, and I just don't want to see him put it, putting himself out there like that every week. Um, come a, a good question kind of came to mind for me, Nick, here when I was watching that Sunday night showdown with the Eagles and Cowboys, and I, and I kind of think I know where you're going to lean on this, but uh, this is a question that's going to be in our Q and A this week too. Uh, let's let's roll the clock ahead three years, Nick. Who who do you want on your dynasty team? Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? Three years from now. You know, it's still so early in their careers that I'm going to have to go with the draft pedigree and uh, go with Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, number two overall pick compared to a fourth-round pick. I know Dak Prescott's looked great. Uh, he may even win rookie of the year. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, but I, I just have to believe in Carson Wentz. Just more of a prototypical quarterback. Yeah, and I just think there's more sustainability in what the way that he plays. And they both are smart. They both have shown great poise. I mean, for Dallas to come back and win that game, obviously it helps Dak that he's got uh, just a monster behind him in Ezekiel Elliott. But for, da- for Dallas to come back and win the game the way they did, that says a lot about Dak's character. I mean, he had that horrible interception on the goal line. And most rookie quarterbacks would just would just melt after that, and he he just kept his head up and kept fighting, and they they had put on a put on quite the show. Uh, one one thing I was really impressed by Dak was with them that overtime touchdown. You know he had that rushing touchdown right away in the game. I think it was the first touchdown of the game. Um, but if you watch the replay of that of that uh, overtime touchdown that he threw to Witten, he he takes the snap and. Uh, he run, he takes back and then he takes a, he runs back and that takes like two two and a half steps forward and every single one of the Eagles linebackers bites and jumps up and then 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 he takes another step back and a couple steps to the left and guess what Jason Witten has nobody within ten feet of him so I think he, he at least had the presence of mind that, that he knew that there somebody was probably watching him and when he did that it made at least three players on that. Philly defense bite thinking that he was going to run it and it, and it opened things up. So that's, I think that's just kind of a nice veteran savvy move, whether he was told to do that or not. I don't think it was part of the game plan, but uh, you know, once kind of makes those same kind of moves, well, like he, you watch him and he's making moves or he's stepping up in the pocket and you're just like, these guys are not rookie quarterbacks. There's no way they can be. If you were just to watch the footwork, you know, and the body language of these guys, you just would not say rookie quarterback. So I've just, Really impressed with both of them. I think, like Nick said, I would probably choose uh, choose Wentz as well. And I really like the fact that he's got three young wide receivers. They, yeah, there's there was talks that Philly was going to add a wide receiver this week. 
uh, and and they ultimately did not. I think that's great. I think him, J Matt, Aguilar, and DGB, who actually we're going to talk about here in a little bit with our dynasty dilemma. Um, I think the fact that all three of these guys are young, they can grow together, and they could turn into something really special, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, they, the, the, the biggest problem right now with the Philadelphia receiving core is drop passes. So if they can get that worked out, they definitely all have the athletic ability to contribute. Yeah, and I think that'll come with time as they become comfortable with how how Wentz throws and whatnot. So uh, any waiver waiver fodder there for you, Nick? This is another week I'm not really high on anybody. Uh, Tim Hightower went over for over 100 yards for New Orleans, but I think he'll probably be stuck in a committee with there with Mark Ingram. Uh, J.J. Nelson appears now as Arizona's number two wide receiver. Uh, with Jacquez Rogers hurt in Tampa Bay, the running backs Anton Smith and Peyton Barber will get more work, but personally I'm going to pass on both of those guys. Uh, quarterbacks Josh McCown, Jay Cutler and probably should be rostered again, and Nick Foles is starting in Kansas City in really deep leagues. Uh, but my number one ad, if he happens to still be there and slip through the cracks, has got to be Washington running back Rob Kelly, who looks every bit as good as the starter Matt Jones, but without the fumbling issues. Yeah, good, good, good ideas there. JJ Nelson, twelve targets, uh, uh, eight catches. I think he got he scored two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I think it was a nice come out game for him. He's a he's one of those burners. He's a lot like John Brown. He can uh, he can do things, get downfield for you. So uh, yeah, I like I like that talk there. Uh, I think Mike Gillsley had a really good week. And we obviously don't know how long uh, Shady's going to be out, but he's certainly a guy that should be owned in all formats. Um, you know, we talked a little, quite extensively about uh, Jay Ajay last week. Um, if you're an Ajay owner, you need I think you need to make room for, for Damian Williams and, and Keon Drake. I know Drake's probably not available on a lot of dynasty dynasty formats, but if you're in a redraft, uh, you know, if something were to go to him, I think it would be a, a combination of these two. And they both have been proven to be nice nice pass catches on the backfield. So I think that's that's probably the way you want to go there if you can make room for at least one of these guys. Um, Trey Flowers, uh, Bill Latin brought up a lot of good points with him, how he could potentially be a starting DN for them. Next year, he's kind of in the rotation, had a huge game last week, um, couple sacks, like four four tackles and an assist. So he he's a if you're rebuilding and he's out there on your waiver wire, uh, he's a guy to have, especially especially in deeper leagues, you know. Let's say you're still suffering from JJ Watt, you want to add Trey Flowers. Or let's say you're still rostering Henry Anderson, you want to add Trey Flowers. Um and we you know, there's been a lot of think a lot of talk about uh the concussion or the the non-concussion of Alex Smith, uh, whatever it is, I think I think Nick Foles needs to be rostered and should be rostered until he is officially a backup next season. I think he could go out and be a starting quarterback next year for somebody else. And uh, if you got Alex Smith, you need to grab Nick Foles in your dynasty league right now because he he looked really good. He kind of opened that offense up when he came in, and uh, Nick Alex took Alex took. Quite some, some some big hits though. We Foles, you know, obviously it's one play away for everybody, but we know Foles looked good in that offense. Though. So I got to give him props for stepping in there. And if you, like I said, if you own Alex Smith, you got to you got to look at Nick Foles. It's the Nick Foles resurgence. I I was I was all ready to throw him away, Nick, and now now I'm back on the bandwagon again. Um, I'm curious. Do you still have him rostered? 
Of course I don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I trade. I'm pretty sure I traded him. Yeah, I traded him to to somebody in a in a couple leagues and dropped him in another. So I traded him for like you know like a twenty twenty four seventh round pick or something. You know, just just to get him off my roster and and uh, grab an extra pick there. So uh, yeah, no uh, no full share. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna to have to put in a claim for him if I want him. I think I'm sitting pretty pretty tight now with all my quarterbacks situation, so I don't I don't uh, I don't have to do that. But uh, I'll I'll uh, if you need it in our Orange for an Alex Smith owner, I think you need to certainly need to check it out there. So um, it's uh, Dynasty Dilemma time. Uh, as I referenced earlier, we'll be doing DGB versus Nelson Aguilar, Cordorial Green Beckham. In case you don't know who I'm talking about, so. Uh, Couple the battle for wide receiver two in Philadelphia. Um, Nick had the option to go first. I'm going to play the clip, and he's going to go. But we've learned by the dust of them all. Barter towns learned. Now, when men get to fighting, it happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Oh, I love that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Well, first off, thanks to Josh Huff for being a moron and getting pulled over with not only weed, (laughs) but more troubling, a gun with hollow tip bullets. You know, so thanks to that, I think both of our guys, Doro Green Beckham and uh, Nelson Aguilar's values got a bump this week. Now, if you look at last year's stats, both guys have similar lines, or this year's stats, both guys have similar lines with a slight edge to Nelson Aguilar, five more targets, three more receptions, 22 more yards. And both guys are seeing some work every week. Uh, Nelson Aguilar's got at least three targets every week, while DGB has at least four every week since week two, including a season-high nine targets last week against Dallas. But we should have expected Doral Green Beckham to have a slow start as late in the offseason as he was traded to Philadelphia. And that, to me, is just as big of an advantage moving forward as his size and speed advantage over Aguilar. While Nelson Aguilar had the full benefit of an offseason with the team to learn the system and develop chemistry with the quarterbacks, DGB had to do all that on the fly. And even with the advantage, Aguilar failed to separate himself from the more physically talented DGB. And to me, that's a huge red flag for the former first-round pick. So I guess Josh convinced me why in this upcoming offseason I should uh, continue to uh, roster Nelson Aguilar because I'm kind of on the fence there. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's entirely plausible that these Eagles, this Eagles wide receiver core could get as much preseason hype as maybe the Colts did last offseason. I, I do think that's entirely possible. I know that seems like a bold statement, but we also know that. Look at Colts offense besides T.Y. hasn't been setting the world on fire. And T.Y. is currently questionable as he was most of the during the game on Sunday. So far, Carson Wentz proved, has proven to be a quarterback who spreads the ball around. I think in a perfect world, both of these players could be 70 reception, 800 yards, 6 TD type of players annually as, as Jordan Matthews, of course, grows into a, a wide receiver one. Realistically, both DGB and Aguilar's fate could be tied to how J-Matt develops. They need, they need him to be that priority number one in their opponent's eyes in order to emerge as a consistent threat on the other side. Aguilar has been considered a, is already being considered a bust after his 23 reception, one touchdown rookie season. 
his ADP of 10.02 reflected so. DGB ADP, DGB's ADP was 4.08, but that is really not a true reflection as he was just traded before the season started. I would love to see what his ADP would have been, you know, if that trade would have happened a couple weeks before the season and, and the startup. Uh, certainly probably would have been a little bit lower. Still, I, I don't disagree with the Eagles making a solid investment there in DGB. Ultimately, I think this comes down to the versatility of Aguilar versus just the X wide receiver red zone abilities of DGB. Aguilar has that kick returner experience. Therefore, he is quicker than fast, and his short area quickness is much better than the lanky DGB. I get, I get it that it's hard to not salivate when you see that DGB is six five compared to Aguilar just just being barely six foot one. But I think Aguilar can line up all over the place as well as the X, and that will reap him a lot more targets moving forward. Not a lot more, but just more targets. DGB might score more touchdowns, but Aguilar could average three or four more receptions per game. And when you consider DGB is not going to score every game, I think that kind of evens things out. Uh, you know, we, there's, there's been a lot of bad press about USC wide receivers and Aguilar, of course, being the USC wide receiver in this equation. Um, I will say this uh, of the recent draft pedigrees, you know, the, the two, the two most uh, notable ones being Robert Woods and Marquise Lee. Now, neither one of those guys are wide top 10, top 15 wide receivers, but both of them are looking very good at this year. I know Woods has been dinged up, but they both have had, had solid efforts, and I know it seems sacrilegious to even talk about uh, Marquise Lee in a positive manner, but he's he's putting together a nice season, and maybe maybe Aguilar can turn that corner, especially when you consider that he's got uh, Jay Mad on the other side. I love the I love the fact that Philly's got a three headed three headed monster, and like I said, in a perfect world, these these got both of these guys could catch seventy balls for eight hundred yards. Any rebuttal there, Nick? Well, I will admit I, I was super high on Aguilar uh, going into his rookie season. I took him fifth overall in one rookie draft. Thank goodness I got David Johnson in the second round in that draft, so it kind of evens things out. But uh, I, I just have to look at, you know, when they came out of college, the, the their MO was that Aguilar was the polished guy and uh, DGB was the raw uh, guy that needed to develop, you know, being as he missed his final year in college and whatnot. Uh, so the fact that their stats are so similar this early in their career, uh, to me, signifies that the guy who was raw is going to develop into a better player. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's good. I was posted this as a poll on Twitter, and I was pretty surprised. It was DGB kind of like, a, you know, 75% to uh 25% regular. I was I thought it might be a little bit closer, but uh uh that also means you're going to you, if you, you you know, don't if you don't not fully a believer in DGB, you could certainly reap some ADP rewards by taking Aguilar a lot a lot later probably probably even next year. So, oh, excuse me. Uh moving forward, let's get to some sitter start here, Nick. Um Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Tannehill uh, game at Miami. 
Well, first off, these are your only two quarterbacks. I'm going to wish you good luck <laughs> in the league consolation bracket. Um, but as far as this week, I'll probably take Fitzpatrick on the road versus a weaker defense. Uh, Inunla's been decent replacing Decker. He's not as good as Eric Decker, of course, but he's been decent enough to help uh, Fitzpatrick's numbers not completely bottom out anyway. Yeah, this this is not a not a one thing that anybody's going to get excited about with these two quarterbacks. Um, uh hate to be contrarian, but I, I think Tannehill might, uh, I think he's got enough weapons on the outside, uh, you know, and Revis can't cover everybody. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Tannehill. I think, I think Miami makes a statement and wins this game pretty, pretty good. So I'll, t- I'll take Tannehill. Um, Blake Bortles, speaking of awful QB situations, Blake Bortles at Kansas city or Alex Smith or Nick Foles, whoever the KC quarterback is going to be. What do you think, Nick? Well, uh, Alex Smith hadn't gone for over 300 yards since week one, and, you know, the Chiefs had played Pittsburgh, Oakland, and New Orleans in his three last bowl games, so that, those aren't great defenses. So I just worry about the Kansas City passing game, especially since we really haven't seen Nick Foles other than for a little bit last week. So I think I'm going to go with uh, Bortles. You know, I know it's risky, but with garbage time, he does have a chance to put up numbers in a pretty what's probably going to be a pretty lopsided affair. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, we know. <laughs> can I can I give this the caveat that I would take Bortles over Smith, but if it's Foles, I would probably take I would take Foles just given this one game situation. I like I said before, I think Foles opens this offense up, so I, I like I like that fact, and I would uh, certainly go with. Um, Bortles, if it was Smith, because like you said, with with garbage time, Bortles, you know, as bad as he looked, he actually salvaged a fairly decent uh, fantasy game out of the whole uh, fiasco that was last uh, Thursday night. So, um, Derek Carr versus the vaunted Denver defense, or Eli Manning versus the Eagles. What do you think? Well, you look at uh, Carr's 300-yard games this year. They've been against New Orleans, San Diego, and, of course, last week, 513 yards against Tampa Bay. Those are those defenses are not that great. Uh, and the defenses that he has played that are pretty good, uh, 249 yards against Tennessee, 225 yards against Kansas City. So, you know, that, the matchup there scares me a lot. But with uh, the Giants, the New York backfield, always a question mark this season, it seems like. So the Giants will probably throw a lot. So I'm going to start Eli, but I don't. Okay, good point there. Um, yeah, you know, Eli is not having a, a good season, really. I mean, him, him and Joe Flacco, I think, have very similar numbers. Uh, but uh, and we'll see how how they go against Philly because I think Philly's going to be pissed. I think, and this isn't the homer in me, but I think I would go Carr. I think they maybe have enough weapons to really test this Denver defense, um, you know, obviously the big key is making sure somebody has a helmet on Von Miller. Uh, and if, so if he, if Carr's able to get time, I think, you know, you can't, neither team, uh, Denver or any Oakland opponent really can't, nobody can afford to double team Cooper and leave Crabtree on somebody inexperienced. You have to account for both of them. And when you have them both locked down, Seth Roberts makes a play in the middle. So I, I think Oakland might have enough things going for them, pending they can stop Von Miller and, and maybe run the ball a little bit. I think Oakland can uh, 
he pulled this one out. So I think Derek Derek Carr. I'll take a go with Derek Carr. Uh, Marcus Mariota or Philip Rivers. Well, I love Marcus Mariota, but this week I'm going to uh, playing at home. I'm going to take uh, Philip Rivers in a lot more pass happy offense. He got four 300 yard games this year, and it's really just amazing to me how Rivers, for so such a long time, has produced. Even when his stars players get either released or traded or injured, uh, it doesn't matter who's been around him. It's supporting cast. Rivers has produced year in and year out. That guy's just one of the more underrated quarterbacks over the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I'm going to go Mariota because I think he's he could actually have himself a rushing day. Uh, both Denzel Perryman and Jatavius Brown are more than likely going to miss this week. That's the two inside linebackers there for San Diego. So I think Mariota takes advantage of that in the short passing game and uh, potentially with his legs as well. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with Mariota there. Um, Tyrod Taylor. What do you think? You gonna start Tyrod Taylor at Seattle? Well, on the road in a very tough environment versus an elite unit that knows that they must play lights out to compensate for their struggling <laughs> offense with the injured quarterback there in Seattle. Yeah, I'm avoiding Tyrod Taylor at all costs. I would start Fitzpatrick or Tannehill over Taylor this week. Um, let's say you're. Six and two, and you have a tough game. You're at the quarterback is Roethlisberger. I'm part of that equation. Roethlisberger could start. That's true, but we know uh, we know he's probably if he starts this week, it's too soon. As far as I'm concerned, I, I'm not a doctor, but if he starts this week, it's too soon. So knowing that, you still gonna, you're still going to throw a Big Ben out there over over Tyrod and play it safe mode. I I think so. I I don't think that's play it safe mode. I think Tyrod would be the safer play, but I think the upside is just too high with Ben Roethlisberger and the Antonio Brown connection and all that. So it's risky, but I would go Ben. Okay. Um, What do you think about Frank Gore at Green Bay or Jay Ajay versus the Jets? Well, I know because of the matchup, it's risky. Uh, Jay Ajay is more of a boomer bust play for sure. But I'm going to ride the hot hand in Jay Ajay. He's coming off two 200-yard games and did have the bye week last week to rest up. So it's not like he should be worn out since he had a week to, to re- recover from such a heavy workload. So I think I'm still going to go with Jay Ajay. Yeah, you, you got to think about Miami. That, that offensive line, that unit is, as a whole, is finally gelling and there's a lot of little nicks and cuts and tweaks that don't show up on the injury report. So to have a have that nice uh, nice break here in the middle of the season to get ready for you know a physical Jets defense could certainly uh, help them out there. Look what it did, like Nick pointed out last week after after Arizona played that tie. Look what that uh, that physical game did, you know, in the bye week did for Carolina. So that that could be good news for there. So I think I would go with the Jai too. You know, Frank Gore is very quietly having one hell of a season. Um, I uh, I own him in a league, but I can't. I really can't convince myself to play him a whole lot. But uh, what do you think about? Excuse me, Christian Michael versus Buffalo on Monday night. 
Oh, I'm definitely starting Christian Michael. Uh, Russell Wilson's playing through yet another injury. Uh, the team, I think, is going to lean more on the run game versus the Buffalo defense that we just mentioned, J.H.I. Buffalo is one of those teams that gave up over 200 yards to him two weeks ago. So I'm going to go ahead and start Michael. If I was to say to you, like, maybe last year about this time, that you're going to say in a year, I'm definitely going to start Christian Michael. Oh, that's just too sorry. I know he's having a good year. We shouldn't we shouldn't pound on the guy, but he, he was just such a punchline for a long time. Um, wow. Yeah, I I think it's pretty safe. It is a Buffalo is is a pretty good physical defense, but uh, given Russell Wilson's injury right now, they got to count on the run. So he's gonna he's gonna get his touches. That's for sure. Um, what do you think about Tajay Sharp, who's kind of come down to earth in a major way he's at san diego or tory smith who didn't get traded playing the new orleans saints well sharp was a very nice story coming into the season the fifth round pick uh, wins the starting gig but he's been pretty much worthless in fantasy this year he hasn't gone over 60 yards or five catches since week one and scored zero touchdowns so i think tory smith just wins by default especially with the decent matchup that he's got um, you know, and obviously we don't know if Andre Johnson was asked to retire or decided to retire, but you got to think that's at least could be a vote of confidence for Kajay. And, and I know it's more, maybe more or less had to do with Kendall Wright coming back and being, uh, being, uh, worthy again, but, uh, hopefully Tajay can, can get some things going, but yeah, Torrey Smith just seems like the safer play. You know, he's, he's, the target guy, and this, there could be a lot, a lot of garbage time there too. So I'll, I, I think I'd go Tory Smith too. Uh, what do you think about Philip Dorsett at Green Bay or Seth Roberts versus Denver? Well, I think all things being even, I would take Roberts as the Denver secondary is going to be more focused on stopping Crabtree and Cooper. But with Denver or with Green Bay's cornerbacks very beat up, and plus T.Y. Hilton, I just thought it was a questionable play this week. I think that's going to move the needle more into Dorsett's favor. So I'm going to start Philip Dorsett. In case you are not a T.Y. owner, he has been questionable like every other day this season. It is entirely frustrating. <laughs> Um, but like the one time I didn't play him, he had like the second best fantasy day <laughs> of the year for a wide receiver. So, uh, frustrating. Uh, but anyway, what were we talking about? Dorset. Good point there about the GB, uh, corners being beat up there. Um, I, I think I, like I, like you said right away though, I think, I think the focus is on King Crab and Coop. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Seth Roberts. Dorset, I turned down Dorset for for Will Fuller straight up at the beginning of the year in a trade, and I just kicked myself right now. I know Fuller's come back down to earth and has been pretty quiet since the injury, but uh, uh, Dorsett has been beat up again too and just really hasn't flashed like everybody told me that he was going to. Um, uh, What do you think about Kelvin Benjamin at the Rams? Well, I like him, but I don't love him on the road versus a talented L.A. defense. Uh, he's only had one 100-yard game this year, but he does have five games with over 70 yards and four games with five or more catches. Uh, you know, it's been pretty tough on the wide receiver core in general in Carolina when the quarterback's taking illegal shots seemingly every week that aren't getting called. But uh, depending on your depth, if, if you need a receiver, I'd go ahead and start it. And he... Didn't he have, like, just one catch for 50 yards or something like that last week? Um, 
maybe I didn't look at the final stat line, but yeah, I didn't really see that coming from him. I just, I do feel like uh, he had two catches for 73 yards. Um, he he is always still that red zone threat, so he's he's worth a gamble against a, a really underachieving Rams defense, certainly. Um, and if you have Benjamin, he's probably in the mix of your top five wide receivers, so you, you probably need to roll him out there, especially in another bad bye week. Uh, Kenny Britts versus Carolina, and there are no experienced cornerbacks. What do you think? Oh, I'm starting Kenny Britt this week, uh, even over uh, Benjamin, if that was my choice, with an easier matchup uh, versus a weak Carolina secondary that this is Josh Norman far more than the front office anticipated, I think. Uh, Kenny Britt's worst game this year, he had still had three catches for 43 yards. You know, seven points in a PPR league, pretty decent floor. So I'm starting Kenny Britt. Yeah, yeah, like you said, great, great floor there too. And I think last time, you know, not last time against the Giants, but the week before he had two touchdowns. Um, so, uh, yeah, Kenny Britt, my wide receiver too, and Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> um, uh, imagine that, uh, that's why I'm four and four Devin Taylor at Minnesota or Jarrell Casey at San Diego. Well, so far this year, these guys have very similar stat lines. Uh, Taylor's got eight tackles, two sacks over the last five games. Casey's got nine tackles and three sacks over that span. Uh, I think I would lean uh, with Devin Taylor. I, I think the the offensive line has got somewhat exposed on Monday night. Or uh, the Minnesota offensive line got somewhat exposed in their last game, but it's virtually a coin flip. How about Norv Turner resigning today? Did you see that news? Out of, out of the blue. Um, well, obviously not considering what they look like Monday night, but yeah, I, I, you gotta, you gotta ramp up your, your lions on defense. I think after a week like that, maybe, maybe I should use their team defense instead of, instead of Dallas at Cleveland this week. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I think I'd go with Taylor too. I don't own Taylor. I own Casey and he's had like one game this year. So look, I don't, I'm not looking at his stat line, but he's had like one game where he's been, wow, that's why I have him in my starting lineup. And I have to start him every week because of injuries, and he's just not, you know, you look at the box score and he's got one tackle and two assists. You know, like, oh, that's my starting defensive end. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go with Taylor there too, especially just because uh, Minnesota's not uh, – not going to be looking for an identity this week. That could be good. What do you think about Tay Fowler at Kansas City? Well, Fowler hasn't had a sack or over two tackles in a game since week two. Plus, he leads the team in penalties, which got him benched for a while last week. I'm sitting Dante Fowler this week and uh, indefinitely until he starts to produce there, which is a young defense to them. They take time to develop. So I'm not giving up on him. I'm just not starting him until I see something. Okay. Yeah, good good points there. Uh, you know, Casey does like to run the ball a whole lot, and he's kind of their edge setter. If, like Nick said, if he can stay on the field, he's probably a good play. But he's he's certainly a, a, probably just a guy you want to sit on right now. So I I agree with you there. Um, Robert Mathis at Green Bay or D Ford three and a half sacks D Ford versus Jacksonville three and a half sacks last week. What about D Ford? What do you think? Well, uh, Mathis is coming off a decent game, too. Uh, five tackles in a sack last week. But that's his only game this season that he's had over two tackles. Uh, you mentioned D. Ford coming off a three-and-a-half sack game. He's got seven sacks on the year. Plus, he faces a mistake-prone quarterback in Blake Bortles. So, I'm going to Ford all the way here. 
Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just never liked Ford as a prospect, so I don't want to believe him now, but uh, maybe this is a, a, a decent week to roll him out there. And I do actually own a copy of Ford, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing him. Uh, what do you think about Emmanuel Ogba versus the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, kind of started out quiet, had a decent preseason, started out quiet, but he's, he's putting some things together for Cleveland. Yeah, and I, I really like him this week. He's got back-to-back six games with six tackles, and he's facing a run-heavy team in a game that Cleveland will most likely be trailing. So I think he definitely have to start him this week. Uh, yeah, a guy that's kind of readily available in a lot of leagues. You know, typically offensive rookies with any kind of value, or you know, you know, we're going to be on the dynasty. But if you can take a gamble on one of these rookies here and there, that and they have a big game that could help out their future and help out your IDP roster as well. Um, Malcolm Jenkins at the Giants or Calvin Pryor versus Miami? What do you think? Well, I do think that Jenkins is probably a safer play. He's got a pretty nice score. He's only had two games that are under four tackles this year. But I think I might take a flyer on Calvin Pryor this week, who faces the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who's probably more likely to throw interceptions than Manning is. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> man, that, I'm pretty sure Manning and Carson Palmer are the only two starting quarterbacks right now that have more interceptions than touchdowns in their career and more interceptions than games played too, although Fitzpatrick's probably putting a good dent in that right now. Um, <laughs> you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a seventh-round pick, and he started he started 112 games. I saw that today. He started 112 games. That's pretty damn good for a seventh-round quarterback. But anyway, um, I, I hear you. And not only does Tannehill turn the ball over, but the, we know this – this Miami offense predicated on a lot of short throws. And if you get Calvin Pryor in the box, you know, there's always that chance of a big time interception. You know, you never want to predict a pick six, but uh, if I'm, if I'm putting money down, I'm probably putting one down on Pryor right now. Um, Malcolm Jenkins could be a a good play though. I mean, we, I've, you saw him in that Philadelphia game run toe to toe with Antonio Brown. So they trust him against guys in the slot. He could be matched up with Sterling Shepard. That could be a, that could be an interesting matchup. But I, I I think I would lean Pryor too. Jenkins seems like the safe play, but Pryor could have a have a, like Nick said be a nice flyer this week. Um, kind of kind of guy that's having a little bit of a down year. What do you think about Eric Berry versus Jacksonville, Nick? Well, yeah, Barry has not been that great uh, by IDP standards this year, but the Kansas City secondary should see a lot of work against Jacksonville. So I would think that this could be one of Barry's best games of the season anyway. So if I have him and I need him, I'm going to stop. Yeah, I I agree with you there, too. We talked all all the time about the Blake Bortles garbage time. And uh, they're going to need to throw in this game and uh, – probably throw away from Marcus Peters. So maybe if that's the middle of the field where Barry is, that could be good things. Um, what do you think about Tavon Young versus the Pittsburgh Steelers? The rookie out of Temple, getting some good playing time, having, having some all right games. What do you think about him? Well, assuming that this is a, we're talking about a cornerback required league in a 12-team league, I'm going to start him. Uh, you know, he's had 12 tackles over the last three games, two interceptions on the season, facing a Pittsburgh team that's going to be throwing no matter whether it's uh, Ben Roethlisberger, which, you know, despite all the talk, I do think is unlikely that he's going to play or at least finish the whole game. Or even if Landry Jones is playing, they're still going to throw the ball a lot with the receiving core they have. So I'm starting him as long as it's a cornerback required 12-team or deeper league. 
Well, I didn't say Roethlisberger is not going to start. That's not my – my opinion is I wouldn't start him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like uh, I like Young, too. Um, you know, with with that rookie, there could always be the chance that they tried they try to pick on him. And even if he's getting burned, he's going to have a, have a nice tackle upside there. Last game out versus the Jets, he had four tackles and two assists. For, for a cornerback, you can't ask for too much more. Obviously, everybody wants to pick six from the cornerback. But uh, he uh, – He's holding his own. The guy's five nine hundred and seventy seven pounds, and he he's just a baller. I know uh, uh, Bucky Brooks from the Move the Six podcast, Dan Jeremiah. Bucky Brooks loves this guy, and uh, I, so I've I've kind of taken notice of him too because when when an expert like Bucky's on, on him, I, I really like to check that out too. And uh, yeah, he's he's playing some good ball there. Like I said, rookie out of a uh, rookie out of Temple, making my boy Fran Duffy proud there. Uh, so yeah. I, I would roll Tavon Young, like Nick said. Cornerback required league, definitely. Tavon Wilson, speaking of Tavon's, uh, versus the Vikings. Uh, Tavon's a strong safety for Detroit. Putting together a fairly decent season where I was hoping this was going to be Miles Kilber's job. But what do, you, what do you think about Tavon Wilson? Well, Wilson's got 35 tackles in seven games. That's already his second highest total of his career. Uh, he had 41 uh, tackles with New England in 2012 as a rookie. That's his career high. Uh, I don't love him versus Minnesota, but I do think he could do a lot worse. So I, I'm going to start him if I need him. Yeah, yeah. That's, this is going to be a big game for Minnesota, obviously. I mean, what a what a huge opportunity they wasted against the Bears with Green Bay and Detroit losing on Sunday. That could have been a huge breakaway game in the division. So we'll see what we'll see what they do under under Pat Shermer and company next next week in Detroit. But uh, I think they'll probably just because their running game has been so ineffective and because their offensive line is so beat up. I think you're going to see a lot of quick short passes, um, which means you know could be good PPR rewards for tape for uh, for Diggs and Adam Thielen. Uh, potentially Cordell Patterson has a, has a handful of catches in this game too, but. Uh, that means Wilson's going to be all around the box and hopefully making a bunch of tackles. And I, I do would do want to point out that Miles Kilber had his best game of the year last last week with three three tackles and, a, and an assist. So he's getting he's getting in the mix a little bit there. Wilson only plays about fifty nine percent of the snaps on the season, but that's even more. What's even excuse me? What's even more impressive is the stats that Nick quoted the that he's putting up in that, in that little amount of time there. So kind of a heavy rotation there for Detroit. So not a not a great IDP situation, but if you can take advantage of it in one week, it's, I certainly would recommend that. Um, what? Ooh, it's time for dynasty trade analysis, Nick. What do you think about Michael Thomas and two 2017 firsts for Mike Evans? I know it sounds like a lot, but you know you're getting basically a top five dynasty receiver in return in Mike Evans. So I think this is a fair trade. I think I would uh, I would be willing to part uh, with Mike. Even I know Michael Thomas, uh, he's got probably a pretty high ceiling moving forward, and two first round picks. It is a lot to give up for anybody, but Mike Evans is one of the few guys that I think is worth it. Um, and like you mentioned with PPR floors last week um, or earlier. I think Mike Evans' worst game of the year is like four catches for 56 yards or something like that. Um, I said that in our question and answer last week. So, I mean, if you're getting that kind of production out out of a rookie wide receiver, I mean, that kind of consistency, you got to be, 
you got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, last week he had six catches for, for 63 yards. So he's not setting the world on fire. There's always a chance he could score that touchdown. You don't know who those touchdown passes are going to go to in that Saints offense. But uh, worst game, nine, nine PPR points. So you really can't complain about that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with Nick. I think it's a pretty fair trade. I would part with Mike Evans for that. I mean, it, we'll see where those first where those first two – Round picks are, but you know you could you could do worse certainly than that than that for uh, for Mike Evans. So I, I like Mike Thomas. I think he's going to grow up into a, grow into a solid option within this offense, and uh, so I think it's a pretty fair trade as well. Um, this one was just too wacky for me to not include Nick uh, Kevin White for 2018 seconds, <laughs> a 2018 first for Jordan Matthews. And Kyle Rudolph, what do you think about that? Well, Kyle Rudolph's having a he's having a pretty decent year, but really Jordan Matthews is the big get in this trade. Uh, but I, you know, if I had Matthews and Rudolph, and somebody offered me four second round picks and a first round pick, I don't <laughs> care if it's twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, plus uh, Kevin White on top of that, who I'm not really high on uh, Kevin White. I don't think anybody is at this point in his career. Uh, but still, yeah, all those draft picks in return for Jordan Matthews, who he's good, but you know struggles catching the ball at times and a tight end. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, and people are still high on Kev White. I know um, Bill Latin did a, is doing a mid-season league with uh, Katie Flower from the UTH Dynasty under the Helmet Dynasty. Uh, they do a great podcast over there, by the way. But uh, they're doing a mid-season startup, and Kevin White still went in round seven. So, I mean, there's still some. And that is a super flex and start two tight end leagues. So there's, still, there's still a lot of love out there for uh, that potential. The guy obviously needs to drink milk to uh, increase his bones. Sorry, <laughs> his bone density, his bone uh, strength. Um, sorry, the Kevin White owner just came out of me there for a second. But, yeah, that's a ridiculous amount of picks. Um, Jordan Matt, what, I wonder what Jordan Matthews' rookie ADP was. I don't think he was a first-rounder. I, and if it was, it was late. Do you remember, Nick? I can't. I can look that up. But uh, yeah, that's that's I a lot. I do not of remember. I, I I would guess early second, just off the top of my head. Sure. With four second round picks, you're bound to fall into a good wide receiver, right? With at least at least one of those picks. So, uh, and the 2018 first, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna replace George, Jay Matt with that. Kyle Rudolph's a free agent. I don't know if Minnesota's gonna resign him. They're gonna. They're going to have to spend a lot of money on offensive line this past this next offseason there, so I don't know. Uh, Mike Evans and Braxton Miller for A.J. Green and Michael Floyd. Well, I, I do think A.J. Green is the best player in this trade today, but if you're looking long-term, you got to side with the, the team that got younger and pick up Mike Evans and Braxton Miller. I, 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 I really like the youth side of this trade. Uh, I'm just not a big Braxton Miller guy. I don't know. Um, I, I and I would hold the Evans Miller side is is rebuilding, and the uh, other side is kind of loading up for a playoff run. If that's that's the case, I I, I kind of see both sides of this, but I just I can't condone Braxton Miller. So I think I would pick the other side just because 
neither AJ or Floyd are, are close to retirement. Floyd's going to be uh, on the open market next year. I think he's going to be potentially get big money to be somebody's number one, number one wide receiver next year. You know, so um, yeah, maybe he goes to Tampa and takes targets away from Mike Evans. How about that? Um, Odell Beckham or Allen Robinson, Tyler Eifert, and the 2017 first. What do you think? I think two months ago, I would have sided with the team that picked up a Rob Eifert in the first, but uh, there's just too many questions for me right now surrounding that Jacksonville offense and how bad Bortles has looked and Robinson's having a very down year himself. So I'm going to have to go with the side that picked up Odell Beckham, the elite player. Yeah, that's a pretty – Good, good thoughts there, and and I would say this, you know, obviously, you're giving Allen Robinson getting Odell Beckham back in turn. I don't, I don't disagree with that, and we I saw another Bill Latin traded uh, a Robin in our 16 team league this week too for for Mike Evans. I, we can talk a little bit about that in a second, but um, if you're an a Rob owner, I don't think you need to panic right now. I mean, don't you know, don't panic and just get rid of him because you're not going to get. You're not going to get a decent return. I, I agree with this trade. I think it's a smart move. Uh, but you still had to give up a first-round pick to get Odell. So, I mean, A-Rob, could, A-Rob and uh, Beckham could potentially have the same same stats next year. Maybe maybe uh, uh, Beckham gets in, gets in PPR-wise with a few more receptions. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would just say don't panic. I just this, Things can be figured out. Uh, and maybe – you know, maybe Tony Romo's the quarterback in Jacksonville next year. Uh, wouldn't that be fun? Now, Cordell Patterson. Oh, this is this one's weird. I'd have to throw it in there. Cordell Patterson head to 2017 second for Larry Fitzgerald. What do you think? I think it's very fair value on both sides. I don't expect much out of Patterson uh, as far as being a famously relevant player. But, you know, if you're rebuilding and you can get a second-round pick for an older receiver like Larry Fitzgerald, good for you. And if you're trying to contain now and it's only going to cost you a second-round pick to get Larry Fitzgerald, I say good for you as well. So, perfect trade. I don't know. I own a lot of shares of Larry Fitzgerald. I'm not selling him for Cordell Patterson. Just because he's hot right now. We've seen him... We've seen him be really, really, really crappy, and what for one reception last year? I mean, come on! I just, I'm not, I'm not selling, I'm not selling Larry Fitz for that. I, I would rather hold on him until he retires rather than have that Cordell Patterson. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Burgundy made that trade. I'm going to put him on the spot. Burgundy traded Larry Fitzgerald and got Cordell Patterson a second. I mean. You're not getting the next. You're not getting Larry Fitz next Larry Fitzgerald with that pick. And if you are, congratulations. You're the best drafter ever. Um, it is time for four. Oregon. <laughs> Why do I always say that when I have a clip for? But anyway, let's just do it. Um, oh my gosh, Nick gave me the foresight as we are talking. T.J. Yeldon. So I will go first. Oh. TJ, so we're four against. In case you haven't heard this before, we just we basically take one player, one of us takes a four side, one of us takes an against side, and we'll bring some talking points to light so you can you can ultimately decide how you feel. TJ Yeldon, the worst starting running back in the league, right? Moving forward, I expect more success than his 3.3 yards per carry right now. 
Well, right now, T.J. Yeldon's in a 50-50 split with Chris Ivory. And let's look at Chris Ivory right now. He's in six years prior in the league. He's only had one 1,000-yard year and is averaging 3.2 yards per carry this year. Uh, being, being so much younger than Ivory and not being able to run away with the job doesn't instill much confidence for me uh, moving forward. Okay. Um, at the very least, he should surpass his reception total of 36 as a rookie because he already has 20 on the season. How about that? Oh, well, T.J. Uh, <laughs> Elton uh, actually did receive a full workload in week one but really failed to impress. 21 carries for 39 yards, under two, po- under two yards per carry against Green Bay. So, you, you know, there's probably a good reason why he's not uh, – why he's in the timeshare right now. Um, I want to retract my last statement. I think I think I wrote that before their game Sunday. So he maybe has like 22 receptions this season, not 20. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, 24, he had four receptions on Sunday. So how about that? He's up to 24. Um, second round pedigree behind only Todd Gurley, and Melvin Gordon means the Jags must commit to him to, to giving him over 200 touches per season during the life of his rookie contract, right? Well, he was a second-round pick, but uh, there's a very uncertain future in Jacksonville. It wouldn't surprise anybody if uh, there was a new coaching staff brought in in 2017. And, you know, with guys that aren't personally invested in him, he could see his workload further diminished uh, in seasons moving forward. I just noticed, too, that he had three carries for 20 yards. That's a pretty good average, right? <laughs> no, it's only three carries last week against Tennessee. But hey. uh, although Bortles has struggled mightily, I believe the Allen brothers and Julius Thomas must be respected as playmakers in this current scheme. Therefore, there's room for improvement. Obviously, there's room for improvement. But I think we haven't seen the best of T.J. Yeldon yet. That that's definitely possible. I just don't think the best is going to be all that great. I mean, uh, and a big thing part about it is his situation. He plays on a team that is perpetually trailing in games, and obviously, when your team is down twenty-seven to nothing at halftime, like they were last week, the running backs just don't get to see a whole lot of work. Okay. Very, uh, very good points there. That's all I want to say about T.J. Elton and. Besides the fact that I was right and not liking him as a prospect. Uh, <laughs> um, if I could get him on the cheap, though, I think I would consider him as as a, as a player right now. Um, next week, I already have most of the most of the framework laid out for the podcast. I just want to tell people that we'll be doing midseason awards. We'll not be doing a four against. Um, I know some people are doing midseason awards this week. It's only – there's 18 – there's 17 weeks in the season. Eight is too early to do it. So I'm taking a stand, and we're doing it doing it during the ninth week. So uh, that's my official midseason of the year. So I just want to put that out there. Um, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of awards, but we'll, we'll talk about that in place of four against next week. Um, I don't have a dynasty limit for next week yet, but I'll figure it out. And we have Mr. Chuck Podeski on the line. Uh, so... So loyal, always on their way to the solar. 
that music. I love that music more every week. What's up, buddy? Oh, I'm sorry. I had to get a cup of coffee. Uh, you guys had me up at a half hour earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but Nick, what's the deal with that? In Hawaii. Even earlier in Hawaii. Yeah, Nick's playing his violin out there, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, how's it going? Good, 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 good with us. Well, before we get into the ATS, I wanted to uh, see if you – here's this. I picked up Trevor Simeon because Tom Brady's on by this week. So we got Trevor Simeon against Oakland or now Nick Foles against Jacksonville. Foles is at home. You guys know all this. Uh, Simeon's mm-hmm. on the road. W- which one would you take? Has Foles been named the starter? Yeah, yeah. It was announced earlier today. Foles is going to be the oh, uh, the oh. starter for this week. A really mysterious thing going on with Alex Smith. They say he doesn't have a concussion, but they're putting him through uh, some kind of protocol anyway this week. You've yeah. been keeping up on that? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been trying. It's all been very vague. Um, yeah. I want to start making T-shirts though with the Chiefs logo. It says it's not a concussion; it's a lacerated ear. That's what, that was their statement. Yeah, that something like that. Statement. Yeah. No, but so. I mean, you know, uh, Andy Reid was used to working with Foles in Philadelphia. Uh, does this mean that the uh, that the Chiefs maybe open up their passing game a little bit? They did. Foles looked awesome. We were talking about that. I I, I would go Foles. What would you think? What do you think, Nick? Well, of course, you're a uh, Raider would, fan, though. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually go the other way. I just think that Kansas City is going to probably blow out Jacksonville, which would mean a lot of work for the running game and for Kendrick West, uh, whereas I think Denver-Oakland is going to be a lot closer of a game, so Denver's going to have to throw more. So I, w- I would go the other way with Simeon, but it is pretty close. So has Spencer okay. Ware been ruled out? I haven't heard. I've been checking on that multiple times during the podcast. But uh, yeah, as I far know, as I can right see, now, he's still in there. But everybody's picking up Sharkandrick West like it's a like it's a yeah. given. Yeah. Well, I think I think what they have kind of. I don't think it's officially, but it it sounds like West is going to start, and they haven't decided if Ware is going to suit up or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had to do a lot of jostling around last week. I've got Ty Montgomery too, so I'm just I've just got guys going in and out oh. of the board all over the place. So we'll we'll wait till Sunday again. Always love that. Yeah, that time okay, guys sucked. Go ahead. Yeah, that was uh, that was really weird. I'm glad I finally I, I eked out my win last week with without Montgomery, but I'm hoping he'll be back this week anyway. Uh, against the spread, you want to know what we did last week, don't you? Uh huh. It looks Our like uh, <laughs> no, Josh. You were the champion of last week. You ended up eight and five, uh, and Nick and I both ended up seven and six. But you know, seven and six against the spread is is still not bad. So we'll we'll take that. And Josh, uh, good job. You get the trophy for the week. All right. I never thought I'd be so happy to be three games over five hundred. Oh, and the games that we had, <laughs> uh, that we yeah, the games we we all agreed on, Tennessee. Winning on Thursday night easily, the Cleveland Browns covering with that last-second touchdown against the Jets. Uh, Oakland was the easy one; they easily beat. Or, well, you know they were. Uh, I say easily; they won by six over Tampa Bay, but nonetheless, they kept their road record intact. And we all had Kansas City against Indianapolis, and then we we lost the Sunday and Monday games. We all had Philadelphia, and we all had Minnesota. Mm, yeah. Well. Everybody and their mom had Minnesota on that game. 
<laughs> yeah. You did well, mention also, the fact that it was Halloween, and that's strange. You know, on the, on, on the Eagles game, too, I mean, they go into overtime, you know, and uh, you just that, that's called a bad beat. You pick the team that's a four-and-a-half-point underdog, underdog, and it goes into overtime, and they lose by six. So, in essence, we, should, we, we, we picked the right side in that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready to move ahead? I am. All right, a gigantic Thursday game. The Atlanta Falcons are in Tampa Bay. The Falcons are favored by three and a half points. We've got that hook there. And um, what was oh. I going to say? Oh, uh, Tampa Bay beat Atlanta earlier in the season in Atlanta. Was that week one? It was- yeah, yeah, I believe it was the first okay. week. Um, sorry for the weird pause before that. I, I was going to say... I knew I had something else to say, but I forgot. Um, I, I tried a new theory this week. I know I just was over 500, but you know, you, Chuck always pounds that the the stat or the uh, the spreads are really dependent on what a team did last week, and I don't necessarily agree with that. So before the game started on Sunday, I wrote down what I thought all the spreads should be for this week. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm going to make that's how I'm going to make my picks this week. I wrote down that I thought Tampa, if the game is in Tampa, I wrote down that Tampa would be a point and a half underdog. So you're giving me three and a half? I got it. I got to take the Falcons. Okay. I like that <laughs> logic. All right. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think three and a half points is just too much for a division game. Atlanta will probably win this game, but I think it's a field goal or less type of a matchup. And Tampa Bay could pull the upset, too. They looked pretty tough against – didn't get the win against the Raiders, but still, you know, took the overtime and played a tough game. And also, i got to say, Chuck, uh, it was my fault for the time change this week, and thank you for being accommodating with your schedule. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Actually, it gets me off and gets me more of the afternoon to, to do stuff with. Um Okay, uh, Atlanta and Tampa Bay. I, you know, I, I was looking at what in my notes last night because I was surprised. Uh, I did some of these picks last night, and I had picked Tampa Bay to win. Um, do you guys realize Tampa Bay hasn't won at home yet this year? Um, mm-hmm. But neither of these teams has a defense. It's going to be a high-scoring game, and I'm going to look for a back and forth. And uh, I think, you know, uh, Atlanta on the road, they've got their revenge factor because they lost to Tampa Bay the first uh, game of the season. But a lot of times that doesn't hold, and with three and a half, I'm just going to look at uh, maybe uh, Matt Bryant, who's on my fantasy team, kicking a 50-yarder to win the game, win it at the end of the game, and Atlanta wins by two or three points. So uh, I'm going to agree with you guys. This is strange. We all agree on Tampa Bay on Thursday night. No, I took Atlanta. Oh, you took Atlanta? Yes. Could have swore you said Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. No. No, that's okay. Okay, and Josh takes Atlanta. I, and I do want to point out that Chick Casey didn't miss. You missed it. Oakland set an NFL record with 23 penalties for 200 yards. That's was that Tampa amazing? <laughs> that's why Tampa Bay was in that game. And yes, Oakland somehow still found a way to win. So, and if well, now you realize Atlanta is favored. Josh, Atlanta is favored in this game, right? Yep. Okay. All right, you said that you thought Atlanta should be favored by one and a half, and now they're favored by three and a half. So that's mm-hmm. what kind of threw me. You, if if they're now favored by three and a half, you should take Tampa Bay. But uh, nonetheless, we'll give you Atlanta. 
No, see, I wrote down. I wrote down. If you, if you're in circles with other betting dorks, usually are oh, like okay. even on a, even on Sportsline, you just do the 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 number is by the home team. So I just wrote down what I. So you're trying to be, be the, by the you're home trying team. to you're trying to go with the sharp betters here. Yeah, I'm okay. sharp. Go All ahead. Right. <laughs> okay, the next game, the first of the Sunday games, and we don't have any London game this week, right? This week, right? I believe not. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jacksonville is at Kansas City. Now, last night when I did this, the, the line was uh, Kansas City by nine, and the line has since gone down to seven and a half, and I'm, that's probably because uh, Alex Smith won't be playing. So seven and a half, the Chiefs. Well, I promise I won't try to explain this every, every time, but I, I put five and a half, so I, since I'm going to get more points, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Kansas City. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually uh, wouldn't have changed the line uh, between Alex Smith and uh, Nick Foles, I think, because we've talked how Nick Foles opened up that offense a little bit more. So, you know, I, if anything, that actually benefits Kansas City as far as covering the spread. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. All right. Uh, you know, last night when I did this, I thought I was getting nine, and I uh, and I picked Jacksonville. Uh, just from the from the standpoint that Kansas City's not good enough to lay nine points, um, even to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville looks so bad that you know teams just don't look. They they aren't as bad as they look in their worst moments. Um, I'm looking for Jacksonville to save a little face, and I'll still. I'll still take the points, and I'm going to take Jacksonville plus uh, seven and a half points in this game. See, some of the best bets are the craziest ones, and so I'll look at this my crazy bet for the week. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you get you get us with those. You, me and Nick, me and Nick kind of go with the flow, and you get us with those every now and then. I just I I, I don't disagree with that. But, uh, I wish I won more than too- I lost to those. Yeah. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, it seems just, too easy. Yeah, go ahead. You're right. It, 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 whenever it seems too easy, and that's partly what went into it too. You know, Kansas City. You know, they went on the road and they got a big win last week. But you know, uh, no Spencer Ware, no Alex Smith. I don't know if Foles is going to be better or worse than Alex Smith. But I, I, let's look for Jacksonville to have a little pride and keep it close in this game. So we'll move on to the uh, Detroit Lions playing at Minnesota and. Uh, Boy, you know Minnesota took two week, uh, took a, a bye, and then has lost two games since then. They started out five and zero. The uh, Vikings are favored by six over the Lions in this game. Wow! So I wrote down six and a half. But the, <laughs> and I don't, oh, you're pretty I, good. Just, yeah. Um, I don't know though. I mean, after this game is in Minnesota, you think the Vikings will be pissed off? Uh, new offensive coordinator, though. I mean, North Turner stepped down earlier today. I just can't put enough trust in the Vikings to take them. So I'll take, I'll take Detroit when you're giving me six points in a division game. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with Detroit, too. Uh, I do think the new offensive coordinator provides somewhat of a spark there in Minnesota, and I think they win the game. But, you know, like you said, a division game and six points, that's just too much. So I'm going to go with Detroit to at least cover all right, the Vikings, like I said, they went won five in a row, went on by, and then they lost two in a row. Those were both away from home. Um, I think, you know, it's it's a good spot to, for the Vikings here because they have got to get something going in this game. Their, their, their defense is not going to look as bad as it did last week. Uh, 
I'll look for him to open up the uh, the offense a little bit more. I'm going to go ahead and take the Vikings in this one uh, and give six. I may end up regretting that, but uh, I, I just look for the Vikings to, you know, when you talk about team being in form or not, I think that this is really an important game for them to get back into form and a little urgency there. So I'm going to take Minnesota to win, uh, although Detroit – Detroit's been good at keeping their games close. I'm, I'm still going to take Minnesota, the uh, Vikings minus six. All right, the Philadelphia Eagles have done kind of the same thing the Vikings have. They haven't been the same team since the bye. Uh, Philadelphia travels to New York now to take on the Giants. Boy, two big division games in a row for Philadelphia. The Giants are favored by two and a half points in New York. Uh Wow, I I think Philly Philly wins. I think they get this. I think they they make enough uh, make enough plays to win this game. I, I I just don't have a lot of faith in the Giants. I know they're coming off the bye, but uh, they can't run the ball, and Philly's going to know that, and they'll take advantage. So I'll I'll take uh, Philadelphia plus plus the two points. Right? It was Philly was two and a half. Road, yeah, Philly was road favorite. Right. No, no, the Giants are a favorite at home by two and a half. Oh, okay. So, yeah, definitely I'll take Philly. Nick? I, I think Philly's a better team, but I'm going to go with the Giants simply because they are coming off the bye, so they're a lot fresher, whereas Philadelphia had that uh, long overtime game against Dallas. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Philly bounced back, so I don't love it, but I am going to go with the Giants just because I think they're physically a little bit fresher. You know, I went back. I mean, I still have this. We we still have this uh, opinion of Philadelphia that they're just an awesome team. Well, they they've lost three of their last four games. They beat the Browns. They beat the Bears. Then they beat the Steelers, and that's the one that really put them on the map. But since then, they have lost to the Lions and lost to the Redskins. Then they beat the Vikings. Then they lost to the Cowboys, which is no sin. But I I just don't think maybe that uh, Philadelphia is as good as we think they are. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Giants minus uh, less than a field goal, minus two and a half. And I said okay. it was in New York. I, I should have said New Jersey. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the Dallas Cowboys, who just surprise me every week, are on the road at Cleveland, favored by seven points. Are the Browns going to win a game this year? Um. They are, but they're not going to win this game. Uh, I, I think. Um, God, you got to think they're going to. We're going to win. Uh, sorry, totally off subject. If the Cleveland goes zero sixteen, is Hugh Jackson lose his job? What do you think, Chuck? Well, this is his first year, right? Yeah. And I guess it's not unheard of to get rid of a coach after one year. It depends on, you know what, I, I think it depends a lot on, on who's out there. If there's a guy they just, you know, have to have, maybe. But I don't yeah. I don't think he should lose his job. You know, give him a couple years at least. No win? <laughs> well, he can, he can get one win next year and then two the next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think, Nick? Uh, I think definitely if you're own 16, you should be fired. Your entire staff should be fired. Do that. There's no excuse for not winning a single game in a 16-game season. 
Yeah, you know, I think normally I would agree, but I think there's there's a grand scheme involved in Cleveland, and I think they're wi- they're willing to mail this thing in. I mean, they're not Philadelphia 76ers by any means, but I I would I think he still gets retained if they go in 16. Uh, but yeah, they're not going to win this game. I'll take I'll take Dallas and lay those points. I think it's going to be a be a bloodbath. Nick, what do you think? Well, I was hoping the point spread was going to be a little higher uh, and this may be wishful thinking, but I just think this feels like a complete trap game. Dallas is flying high after, you know, being surpassing all expectations this season. Uh, Cleveland being winless, uh, that's a team that you might overlook. So I'm going to go with Cleveland. It's probably crazy, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Browns. I was on your way of thinking there, Nick, and I, you know, that was, that would be a reason that I would take the Browns, but uh just think it was a tough loss last week for Cleveland. They could have won that game. They were ahead 20-7, to ended up uh, losing it. Um, the Cowboys are just rolling, and I keep going against the Cowboys. I, I was sure that the 49ers were going to beat them when they were out in San Francisco, and uh, I keep being sure that somebody's going to beat the Cowboys. One thing that I, I think is, is keeping them from having a letdown is this whole quarterback controversy between Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. Um I think for that reason, that keeps Prescott always feeling like he has to really, really do his best each week. And maybe when this, you know, maybe that first game when when they finally say, yeah, Prescott is is the starter, even if Tony is is back, then that's the one you could look for a letdown maybe. But uh, as for right now, I think Prescott feels a lot of pressure to be that quarterback and, and, and lead the team and not let up. So, um, I'm going to take the Cowboys on a roll here, but Nick, you make some good points also. I'll take the Cowboys minus seven. You guys got a pick in Cleveland. You finally did. <laughs> yes, I know. I finally did. <laughs> All right, the New York Jets are in Miami. Miami favored by three and a half. Um... Uh, I think Miami makes a statement in this game. I, I said that earlier. I, I'll t- I'll take Miami minus the three and a half. I I don't I don't love it, but I, like I said, I think they make a statement in this game. So I think they I think they win this one pretty pretty good. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think the Jets have by far the superior defense in this game, and the Dolphins with their uh, turnover prone quarterback. I, I just can't pick them even even at home. So I'm going to go with the Jets. Might not be too bad an idea, Nick. Um, I just these are these are two similar teams to me. In other words, it can't figure them out. I I, I think they can't figure themselves out, um, and it's a total crapshoot. Whoever you pick, uh, total crapshoot. I'm going to take you know the home team of the Dolphins. I have a little more. They, they've been on a little more of a roll here. Uh, I think the Jets are just like it's it's a soap opera, and I just can't stand to see them in their misery any longer. You know. Uh, Let's go ahead and take the Dolphins. Uh, Going to get up a three in the hook here. But uh, we'll take the Dolphins on this one. I will anyway. I did. All right. The next uh, game is a strange one. Pittsburgh uh, playing at Baltimore. Still no word on whether Ben Roethlisberger will start in this game. And for that reason, not a whole lot of places had, had, uh, had betting lines on this game. There were about four or five lines up, the ones that I look at. And they were anywhere from one to three and a half. 
so I'm just going to go with uh, Baltimore favored by two in this game. Baltimore is the favorite, by the way. And I'll, any place I looked, Baltimore was the favorite. And so if Big Ben becomes official, does this come down to even, you think? <sighs> Probably comes down to, uh, I, I, I bet, jeez. Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh will probably be favored by one, maybe. Uh, anywhere from one to pick them, maybe two. But uh, that'll make a difference. I'm checking it again just to see if there's anything lately. But uh, no, there hasn't been. Okay. No line history yeah. on the ones I'm looking at. Okay. Um, yeah, I think Pittsburgh wins this game. I think they're just they're gonna be gonna be mad. I obviously if it's Landry Jones, I would. I would have a little hesitate, probably hesitate, and I don't think Big Ben should start this week, but he probably will. So, yeah, they never they never back down from from beating Baltimore. So I I their Baltimore's just offense look pretty anemic. I know that defense hasn't been very good, but I'll take I'll take Pittsburgh if you're gonna give me some points in this game, Nick. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Baltimore. I think even if uh, Ben Roethlisberger were to play, like you said earlier, he, he's probably a little too early. Just you know, I you know I personally would not play him yet. But he, either way, I, I think the Ravens can win this tough division team. Nick taking Baltimore, huh? I am going to take. Uh, I'm going to take the Steelers. I mean, look at the Steelers. They've lost two games in a row. Then went on their bye. Do the uh, I, I, I'm going to look for the Steelers to get some respectability back. They've got to uh, kind of uh, exert their dominance over the NFC over the AFC North. Pittsburgh is only on top by a half a game over Cincinnati, thanks to that tie last week. Um, and Baltimore is at three and four also. So if Baltimore wins this, they're tied with Pittsburgh. Um, you know. It's weird. I was looking at the stats on this game, and, and the Steelers are 30th in the they're, they're, the Achilles heel of their defense is they're against running backs. They're 30th in the NFL against running backs. But who does Baltimore have to run the ball? Um, I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers to win this. And it's always fun watching this game because there's always a little bit of – gets a little bit chippy. <laughs> If you know what I mean, these two teams don't like each other, so it's always a fun game to watch anyway. But I'm going to go with the Steelers. Okay. We move out west. The New Orleans Saints are heading to San Francisco to take on the 49ers, and believe it or not, the uh, Saints are a road favorite, favored by three and a half, which uh, they aren't normally good away from New Orleans, but they've been, uh, you know, doing good things this year. So the Saints favored by three and a half over your Niners. Well, I think that's more of a reflection of just how bad the Niners are right now. Um, it does seem kind of like a trap game. So I, I'm, I'm going to take the Niners if you're going to give me that, that many points as a home team dog. I feel like they don't maybe don't win it, but I feel like it's you know it's maybe a two or three point game. So I I like that hook. I'll take the Niners. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna go the other way. I don't think the Niners can slow down the Saints' offense. You know, it's not like they're gonna be playing in cold weather there in San Francisco. So I I don't I don't think the the playing on the road is gonna be as big of a factor as it would if it was a cold weather game. So I'm gonna go with the Saints. Yeah, we've kind of had to rethink the uh, the Saints this year. They have. Uh, they seem to have been concentrating on being a better team away from home. And, 
know, the weird thing is that San Francisco is really bad against the run, but what does New Orleans do? They pass. But I think you may see uh, a lot of running in this game. I don't know how you guys are viewing the situation with Hightower and uh, Mark Ingram down there, but uh, maybe it'll be a two-headed monster, and maybe you'll get good rushing out of each of them. If if, if New Orleans, and this is, this is almost like a, a sin to say, but if New Orleans gets their running game going, <laughs> and if they do that, it's going to make it a lot easier for Breeze to pass. So, um, yeah, I kind of hate giving up three and a half on the road, but I'm going to go ahead and do that with the Saints. Okay. Carolina Panthers, they're on the road giving three to the uh, Jeff Fisher-led L.A. Rams. <laughs> the Rams getting three points at home. Uh my prediction was two and a half. I don't know how that's going to make me feel about this game. Um, but uh, I think Carolina found something, and uh, I think they might open up their passing game here in this game. So I, I, I think Carolina wins this game. Just, just, just on pure pride, they're going to go out there and win this game. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. They're just—I mean, this was a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, and they just looked awful this year. They—they they have to bounce back at some point and, uh, against the Rams, a pretty uh, subpar opponent. I think is a good time to bounce back. So go Panthers. Carolina has not won on the road this year. Uh, this is uh, hard to believe. It's their—they're well, uh, um, two and five, guys. They're two and five. Cam's so concerned with getting calls about, uh, you know, roughing the passer. Maybe he has a point, maybe he doesn't, but the point is that he's more concerned about that than he is winning the game. You remember last year he just used to, you know, take off, not care if he got hit and everything, and all of a sudden this year we've uh, just gotten bitching and moaning about, uh, about, the, about the officials, and that's when you know things are going wrong on your team when you start blaming the officials and not the rest of your team for losing games. So, um Jeff Fisher, you got to look at him. He's three and four right now. He's got to get up to four and four. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams, uh, and I'll take the Rams plus three. But you know, maybe they win the game this week. So uh, go Jeff Fisher, Mister Five Hundred. Do we have no clean sweep so far? We we do not. Wow. Okay. I keep disagreeing with you guys. <laughs> All right. Indianapolis Colts are in Green Bay to take on the Packers, who, uh, even though they lost like last week, seem to have found uh, some offense. Green Bay favored by seven and a half. It was seven last night. I looked at it this morning. It's now seven and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts. I think I think they make this a closer game than that. I think it's a field goal game all over. It's you know one thing's going to happen. Either one team's going to have one of these teams is going to lead by like two touchdowns and the other is going to come back and make it close. So it's one team has a really good first half and the other team has a really good second half. So I I'll, I'll take a, I'll take the Colts in this game. I, I don't love it, but I think, I think that they're not they're Green Bay is not seven and a half points better than the Colts right now. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree. Especially with as beat up as Green Bay defense is, there's no way they're gonna. They should, they should be favored by that much. I think this is just people remembering what the Green Bay team used to look like uh, in the last couple of years. So I'm gonna go with Colts. 
The Green Bay wins this year. They've uh, beaten Jacksonville, Detroit, and the Giants and Chicago. The Green Bay losses have been to the really good teams, Minnesota, Dallas, and Atlanta. So where does Indianapolis fall in that hierarchy? Are they with the uh, Jacksonvilles and Detroits or with the Minnesotas and Dallases? Um, Green Bay is, uh, you know, they've, they've eventually got to beat somebody good this year, but uh, when a team comes along that isn't in that elite category, the the, uh, Packers have their way with them. So I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, Packers, at seven and a half, even I think they're begging me to bet on Indianapolis here with that hook. So let's go ahead and take the Packers. All right. Tennessee Titans coming off a uh, whitewashing of Jacksonville, but who doesn't? Uh, playing at San Diego. <laughs> now the uh, the line has gone down since last night in this one. San Diego was five and a half last night. They're now five points. San Diego favored. Um, uh, I'm going to take Tennessee. I, I don't think they'll win the game, but again, just this has got field goal game written all over it too. I just feel like it's a one of my favorite scores, like a 38-41 type of shootout. So I, I I'll take the. What's do you have an over under in this game? I'm sure it's not 70. Yeah, let me check it for you here. <laughs> Hang on just a second. Uh, 47. 47. Oh yeah. Give me the over and give me the tight. Let's go. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, it feels like every week San Diego plays a really close game. So, you know, either way, if it's a five-point spread, I've got to go with the underdog. So I'll take the Titans as well. Wow, we have our first clean sweep. Um, there's just something about it. I think San Diego can win. But Tennessee has been really competitive this year. Plus, the Chargers are not very good against the run. I think you'll see the two-headed monster of DeMarco. They, they've got to start <clears throat> giving DeMarco Murray some breaks during these games, don't they? So we, I'm thinking DeMarco and Henry, uh, DeMarco Murray and and, uh, and Henry uh, kind of do a two-headed monster deal on the uh, on the San Diego Chargers. So we'll look for a good running game with uh, Tennessee, and of course there's always a good passing game for San Diego, but looks like Phillip Rivers has to come from behind again at the end of the uh, game and win it by three or four points. So getting five is a little bit of a gift. I'll take the uh, Titans in this one. There we go. There's your there's your lock of the week. Tennessee. There you go. It must be. <laughs> um, and well, they also had a Thursday game, and they've got longer to uh, a longer amount of time to 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 prepare. Mm-hmm. Well, and Demarco is hurt too. I think there's a chance that oh, he might he? not play in this game. Uh-huh. Uh, but San Diego, as I said earlier, is missing their two inside. They're going to be missing their two starting inside linebackers, and they're already starting a, a second stringer there with Manti Teo being out for the year. So that that could be an interesting situation there. So. Doesn't it seem like that is the case every year in San Diego? Don't they don't they have like walking wounded all year? Is it doesn't it happen yeah. every year to them? What yeah. are they doing? They got a Pro Bowl offensive team on, on IR right now with with uh, Allen and Woodhead. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Fire their training staff. That's what they need to do. Go ahead. DeMarco Murray. I was looking up DeMarco Murray. I'm trying to figure out, trying to see the uh, status on him. Yeah, he's questionable, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that toe injury. Oh, okay. 
those toe injuries just linger forever. Okay, let's move along, Josh. You're going to get first crack at this one. Uh, of course, you, you normally do. Denver, the Broncos are at Oakland. Now, last night, Oakland was favored by one. Right now, the game is a pick em. I don't want first crack at this one. Go ahead, Chuck. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the trend. Oakland has uh, won all their road games. They've lost all their home games. So I'd say, why buck the why buck a trend like that? I'm going to go ahead and take the Broncos in this one. They are one in. Oakland is one and two at home. They oh, they the won a game at home. Yeah, remember the. I'm sorry, the, I. St- remember the uh, Tony Romo muffed field goal. Uh, Nick, what do you think? I stand corrected. Uh, I, I think in a game with no line, I have to go with the better defense, and that would be Denver. So even on the road, I'm going to go with the Broncos. No line. Wow. Well, oh, I they won at home versus Chargers. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping Oakland was going to get some points in this game. Uh, I was. I'm. I'm going to go with Oakland. I, if since it's just you're going to let me pick, I think Oakland. I mean, they didn't answer the bell when they played Kansas City last week, last time at home. They just got kind of beat around. That needs to be repeated, repeatedly told to them this week. I think they, this is, this. Could, I don't think it's going to make or break their season if they win or lose this game, but it, it, this, this could just be such a huge statement game to the rest of the division that we, you know, especially in front of your home crowd, you're one and two at home, give them, give them, give them another win. Give me Oakland. Why not? <laughs> you know, I kind of wish this game was in Denver because the the Raiders would be certainly getting three or four points in Denver, yeah. and I would love to take the Raiders plus the points on the road, which uh, which is going to be a good formula all year this year. But uh, but you know, it's that's why they make it a pick 'em game. Either either side is going to be a good bet here, Josh. So we will kind of root for your Raiders here. <laughs> well, and by the way, first time they were five and zero on the road since 1986. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, well, and what, what about Derek Carr? I hope you have him on your fantasy team. Oh, I don't No, I wish, um, Nick does. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And you got to think too, with, uh, Oakland schedule, we play at Denver and at Kansas city in December. I mean, bad enough. They scheduled all these, all these. 10 o'clock starts for them early in the year. Now we, now that's the rest of our schedule, seriously. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, they uh, the, the schedule's not been good for the Raiders. Uh, Derek yeah. Carr, in my league, half-point PPR, 49 points last week. <laughs> that is unbelievable. That guy is uh, he's so good. All right, uh, Monday Night Football, Buffalo at Seattle. Seahawks favored by seven points. Ooh, I said six and a half. Um, I Seattle are yeah. Seattle just doesn't have enough offense, I think, to be favored by a touchdown. I just don't. Russell Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three games. What what exactly are they going to do to to beat Buffalo by more than a touchdown? So I'm I'm going to take Buffalo. You're going to give me all those points. That inflated Seattle line at home, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, Buffalo's a better team than people are giving them credit for, and Seattle, with Russell Wilson so injured, uh, they're just not as good as they used to be. Their defense still is, but their offense isn't good enough, like you said, to be favored by seven. So i got to go with the Bills. 
Yeah, look for a low-scoring game here. Uh, of course, you know, the only thing holding the Seahawks in this season is their defense. Russell Wilson, like you, you brought out, Josh, is uh, has not been himself, and he will not be himself until he can run around like he used to. He used to make guys miss. Now he just kind of stays in the pocket and tries to throw it. And that's just a recipe for not scoring any points. Should be a low-scoring game. Um, I'm going to predict a 3-3 tie again. <laughs> and I'm going to uh, go ahead and take the Buffalo Bills because in a tie, seven points wins. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so another clean sweep. Yeah, two clean sweeps this week. The Tennessee Titans, uh, two road teams, the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. Make your make your parlay right now, folks, before those yeah. lines get worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even just a two – uh, two-team uh, teaser. I forget what it is. No, well, or two-team. Uh, yeah, two-team parlay. And, you know, twenty bucks gets you forty-eight if you if you hit them both. So there you go. You got at it. At least at least around here. Um, so yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. I think that's it. Just remember, if you come to Las Vegas, call us for a Segway tour. We'll love to show you Vegas from a completely different perspective. Thank you, Chuck, as always, for being our ATS guy. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. See you, Nick. Have a great week out there in paradise, and I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Take care. Nick, any closing thoughts? Uh, No, just glad that there's no London game this week. I'm still trying to adjust my (laughs) sleeping schedule. Stand up for that. (laughs) All right. Cool. Well, any any mid-season awards you you we th- you think we should give next week? Just get any, any suggestions? Um, not off the top of my head, no. I will uh, definitely hit you up with if I think of any, though. All right, cool. Well, thank you all for joining us. This has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Big thanks to Chuck Wodeski, as always, for being our, our ATS guy uh, and Nick for just, just being my right-hand man here all the time. So I appreciate it, and we will talk to you all next week. Take care, Nick. You too, Josh. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Nicky, Gil, 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 Gil,